Hello, mamas. We are Allison, Kelsey, and Melissa, and we would like to welcome you to the Unstressed Mama podcast, the podcast that will teach you how to manage the daily stress that comes from being a mom. Nothing is off limits here. From peeing your pants to balancing your budget to working out, we'll talk about it. Hello, mamas. We are back here today with more of our fitness season. And today we have a special guest, Tanya Schwamberger here with us. And Tanya is a former physical education teacher or gym teacher, as I knew them, turned stay-at-home mom, turned postnatal fitness specialist with a side of yoga. Her passion is teaching women about their core and pelvic floor through education, exercise, and yoga. These days, she loves riding her bike into the wind and making reels on Instagram with her cute littlest one. And I bet she does not wear the same type of gym clothes that my gym teachers wore because she sells Zaya activewear on the side. Thank you for joining us, Tanya. Welcome yeah, to the Unstressed Mama. Thanks for having me. Um, just to get started here, since you're all about postnatal fitness, and I mentioned you have a, the littlest one. Um, can you tell us what your life has been like for the last year with adding a third kid? Yes, we added our third boy in March of 2021. And it's it's been a lot different than I was expecting. Like I had I definitely like planned for it to be hard. Um, especially those first couple months, but then I had this expectation that, oh my, when my kids go back to school, it's going to be so easy. And that was wrong. <laughs> it actually ended up just me being a taxi driver and always waking up my children to go pick up another child, which was really difficult. Um, cause you know, babies need to sleep and sometimes he'd sleep in the car and then, some, the baby would sleep in the car and you'd leave him there. And sometimes you'd like plan for a car nap and then he wouldn't car nap. And then you like, do you put him in the crib? Like how much do I try? Because I only have two hours until I got to pick up the other kid. First kid, then you get home, have to have lunch, have to put the three-year-old down for a nap, then try and get the one-year-old, the baby down for a nap too. And then wake them up at 2.15 because you got to get the big kid at 2.30. So it, I was not expecting that. So um, just a quick, could you give like, I know you said baby is yes. one, the other boy. So I have a six-year-old in kindergarten and an almost four-year-old. He'll be four next week. Um, he's in pre-K three days a week for two and a half hours. And then Owen just turned one. So just for that reference, because I know we are all like, well, like how much older are these other kids, right? Yeah. And so I remember, so my two are 21 months apart. And I remember trying every day when my, I was on like this first 12 weeks maternity leave with my son, my second, um, to get my daughter to daycare by eight when they served breakfast. So I didn't have to feed her <laughs> and by like week 10, I was rolling in at 11, 15, halfway through their lunch. Cause I was like, I just can't do it. And I only had two. So like, I, I can't even fathom for anyone who has more than two children, what like that like zone defense realm is like, and obviously we know Kelsey has three, Tanya, you have three, many of you want to have three. And I'm like, I couldn't handle it with two. So God bless you all. You're like, you're amazing. I, I just don't know how you do it. 
I think, I don't know, maybe you can, maybe you don't feel the same way, but I felt like going from one to two was much harder than going from two to three. Because at least from two to three, I had an older one that was a little bit self-sufficient and could entertain the second one. But stop, Ella, number three is like not leaving me alone right now. But <laughs> I felt like, I don't know if it was experience or confidence or just I was finally laid back enough that going from two to three was much easier for me than going from one to two. Yeah. I mean, we did a lot that last summer, like we went on a huge South Dakota camping trip. So that's like, we live in Minnesota. So we went out to the Black Hills, which was probably, it's like a 12 hour drive. Probably we broke it up. And then we drove out to my family in Pennsylvania, which we took two days to do two days, three days. We took two and a half days to do that. So like, and everyone thought we were like very courageous for taking this, our baby and these two other boys camping all, all summer long. And I was like, the baby's the easiest one. <laughs> like He doesn't move. Like <laughs> I'm his feeding source. He doesn't ever complain. <laughs> like, like, probably so the one year you're going to have an easy year for probably five more years. I, this summer will be tricky camping because he's just like into everything and he, you know he's a bait he's like one but can like move yeah and so this year is going to be interesting we go on our first camping trip in like two weeks um so that's gonna be interesting but no. yes the years after like we I've seen glimpses with my older two right now where like on Friday or Saturday, they like, I was putting Owen down to nap in the morning and I came out and they were playing a game on the table. Oh. And I was like, what is happening? Like, this has never happened before. Like then they started fighting, but you know, it, the, the moment, the moment was great. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I do think two to three wasn't, wasn't too bad. Um, I also accepted all of the help. Like I, with my first, we were in Kansas City, our outside Kansas City, and we didn't really have any help. Um, our neighbors helped a little bit. They gave us some some um, meals. With the second, I didn't ask for any help. And I didn't like ask or reach out. Like no one really, I don't know. It was just kind of, I think Ben, my husband was off from work because he wasn't teaching because it was, he, he was off because he works at the university. Um, and this time I, they were like, my mops group was like, do you want us to make a meal train for you? I was like, yes, that sounds great. And they did, they brought so many food, so much food over. And um, it was, yeah, I just accepted a lot more help. And I just was like, I'm gonna need it. Like I got two other kids that depend on me because I do, I do stay at home. So I just accepted all the help as well. By the third, you know that you're not. I also knew like, and I try and tell moms, like I knew those first two weeks are really important for moms to rest. And after my second, I didn't like at all. Like I just felt really bad that I couldn't be with my son. Like my first, my oldest, I just thought I'm like, oh my gosh, my husband's just doing everything with him. They like camped out in the basement, like doing all this fun things. And I've just felt really left out. And like, I wasn't, not that they were leaving me out. My he was that's what he needed to do is you know take my you know entertain him but like I definitely rushed back you know just feeling like I should but no this this time around I was like nope I'm gonna be in and around my bed for two weeks 
and I don't, I'm not gonna feel bad that I can't play with the other two or, you know, make any meals or I'm not, and I'm not doing any laundry because our laundry is in the basement. And I noticed the second with my second, I jumped back into going up and down our stairs a lot. And I just had a lot more bleeding, um, then. So I knew like those first two weeks, I wasn't going to do any stairs. I was staying on the main level. Um, and I think that really helps my healing. Um, and then I was just so slow and intentional, um, this for this last time that I think it really, it really did help with lots, you know, recovering in my body and, you know, getting back to doing the things I love exercise wise. I, I love that you made that an intent in intention and, uh, you're a postnatal fitness specialist. Uh, did you have that certification in that field of study before your first and or your second children? I got it after my second. So I think Sawyer was like eight months old when I started. Um, so I was able to go back and like do some of the basic stuff and like that, but that initial, like those first couple weeks, like I knew this time that that was going to kind of be a sacred part and sacred time that I was just going to be intentional. And I could, because I had that support, like I said, but I asked for it too. Like I told my husband, I'm not doing laundry. This is how you do it. <laughs> not that he doesn't do laundry, but I'm home all day. It's a lot easier for me to do laundry. Like I'm not, he's not, he's a very willing partner and he does lots of things, but there was things that I do that he didn't know how to do. So I had to communicate that to him. Um, and I think that's really important is to communicate to your partners, like, how are you going to have to help me? And like writing it down, like I made, I got on Canva and literally like took a picture of our washing machine, <laughs> but like, cause there's a lot of knobs, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> like we don't need a pre-soak. So just leave that button alone. Like, <laughs> so I wrote like how, how to do all the laundry so that he would know. And, you know, we wouldn't end up with pink clothes and, or shrunken things, you know, um, so yeah, just in thinking about what, as especially as like a stay-at-home mom, I do the majority of the things because that's my job. Mm -hmm. um, so really sitting down and talking with him and thinking about the things that I'm not going to do for these two weeks. So how are you going to do it? Or who can we ask to help? Or, um, you know, that type of thing. I'm still think, laughing that you said, so I got on Canva and yeah. took some pictures of my... I just Only. made um, some birthday invitations on Canva. I'm not even going to print them. I'm just texting them to everybody. They're I did there. that too. I did that. Uh, so we had Vivian's seventh birthday party on a Sunday and two Fridays before. So nine days before I just finished this big work conference and I came home and I was like, oh my, I, all I want to do was like go to sleep on the couch, like 5 PM. I was like, oh my gosh, her birthday party is in nine days. And I, I like told like a few of my friends were like, I didn't, and I, and I booked a face painter. That's all that had happened. So I literally was like, well, there's no rest here for the weary. So I got on Canva and I made her invitations. And then I got on Evite and I sent those bad boys out. And the ones that I didn't, I like texted it. I, I bought cardstock and I printed my own because I didn't have time to have Canva make them and send them to me to send them to school. I was like, Canva for the win. Right. And then they always have it on their phone. Like you don't lose it because it's on your text message. I um, do I was similar, but I use, I do the like Etsy and then instant download. 
on PDF and someone else designs it, which is a weak point for me anyway. So yeah, like, oh, that's cool. Here's the info. And then like three minutes later, I have it back and it costs like $8 or something. Awesome. I think it's totally awesome. In my case, there were so <laughs> many things wrong with my invite that I made. And it was one of those things. And it, it, it makes perfect sense with that, like postpartum phase of your life. Like it was done and it wasn't perfect. And so basically I thought I, I Googled the dimensions for a custom Evite. And that was the dimensions of my Canva. And if you're listening, you're like, what is Canva that they're talking about? It's a way to make like, you should, you can get a free account. It's so cool. You can do so many things. I but, call it um, like illustrator for dummies. Cause my sister's a graphic designer. She's like, why are you using Canva? And I'm like, cause I can't use anything else. So yeah. I call it illustrator for dummies. Like if I can figure it out, you can, like I literally made invitations in like 35 minutes for my kids. Um, and they look so a poppet party. So I made like poppets. Oh, I was so impressed. I took a template, modified it. Anyway, it was so awful in the sense that when it went into the Evite, the dimensions did not match. And so there's like white space on the Evite part of the card. And I was like, ah, whatever. And then I ended up realizing that the Evite envelope had like floral pink flowers and the in, like the envelope liner, obviously it's all digital, right? And after I published it, I couldn't go change the envelope. And I was so mad. So my best friend often used to do the designing for me back when like, I had one kid and she had zero. She's like, I'll do your invites. And we had time. I was like, there wasn't time to phone a friend here. So I did it and I'm like, Rachel, there's flowers on this pop-in invitation and like the dimensions don't match. She's like, I know, I saw it. I'm like, she's like, but it's fine. I'm like, it has to be fine because the party is in nine days. I like, can't even, but as a mom, especially a new mom, done is better than perfect. And that's like totally where I was. And my youngest is five years old. So, um, you know, they think done is better than perfect is something I've been seeing a lot of people thinking like perfection. And I want to get that message out there that you don't need to be perfect. And you just said, I didn't do stuff for two weeks, which is awesome. Yeah. I like, so I feel like listening to you talk about your postpartum with your third is very similar to my postpartum with my third. And the common theme is that we both had a significant amount of postnatal education in between baby two and baby three. Um, and so I kind of want to touch on that because I think everyone thinks that like postpartum has to be this like excellent, well-planned, like well-organized thing. And it's actually not, but it does need to be intentional. And I like that you were like, I made the decision that for two weeks, I wasn't going to do this or this because from past experience, I knew that that wasn't going to be good. And I learned about, you know, kind of the recovery process and what postpartum should look like versus what we've kind of been told it should look like. Um, and so that was a big shift for me. And maybe that was one of the reasons why number three was easier for me than one and two is because I also did the same kind of thing where I was like, I don't think I left my room for at least five days. Um, our kitchen, our bedroom's upstairs, our kitchen's downstairs. So I did come down like to eat every once in a while, but then I went like right back up to bed. And I 
had a little bit more support with baby three because my husband was able to take time off from work. But I did. I definitely was much more intentional about like my rest and recovery. For me, it was it was kind of twofold. It was one, because I had learned a lot more. And two, I was like, well, this is my last kid. So I'm for sure going to make sure I do my recovery process correct because I don't want to be extending it longer than it needs to. And I really wanted to get back to like a high level of athletic performance for me, my level of high is not everybody else's, but for me, I wanted to get back to what I perceived as a high level of athletic performance. And so I was very intentional, but I think a lot of it had to do with the education that I had between two and three. So do you kind of want to touch on maybe your differences in approach to getting back into movement between baby two and baby three and how you felt different with those? Yeah, I think, well, with my first and second, I didn't know anything. <laughs> I probably was like, I should do some Kegels, right? I, I thought I should run a half marathon six or a marathon six months afterwards. So no, and no, and I know you both know that now. Yeah, yeah. No, we're not gonna do that. Um, yeah, I I didn't know anything, so I just kind of did started right. You did your walk, but the first two, you know, you do your walks and maybe you throw in a Kegel here or there, but then you kind of just start like with chase I was working so I didn't really have time to do anything but I do remember like and chase is my oldest I remember like I'm gonna run tomorrow and um my my mom was in town she was taking care of chase while I was working and, and Ben was working and I woke up and it was raining I'm like, well, I'm going to do it because I said I was going to do it. And, you know, it was fine. Like I, I ran, I'm slow. So I just ran slowly and I was glad that I got out. Like it did feel really good to be like, yep, I did this. Um, but I definitely, and I was teaching weightlifting at my high school. So I would try and do some lifting, but I definitely like jumped right back in. You know, I didn't do anything um, for my core and pelvic floor because I didn't know that was a thing. Um, with my second, I was during my pregnancy, I was learning more about diaphragmatic, diaphragmatic breathing. I was learning more about core and pelvic floor engagement and how to do it better. So I was taking what I was learning from pregnancy through a program and just applying it to um, that my postpartum, which is, was okay. But then eight months later is when I did my postnatal fitness training because I just started to get really obsessed with it. Um, and I kind of just like reset, like I just started over with kind of what I was learning. And like, it was really great for me as a teacher. I'm definitely like, I learned by doing. So it was really great that I was so early postpartum still this, so I could be like, oh yeah, like that's a better core engagement or that's, you know, that's better than sucking in. Like I was a gymnast before. So my whole life I was told to suck it in. Like that's not bring your belly button to your back. Like <laughs> it's not a great way to engage your core, um, especially postpartum. And the other thing I learned that is like, I have a really tense pelvic floor. So I actually didn't, and I didn't know about pelvic floor physical therapy after my first. And then I learned about it after my second. And I went when I was probably a year postpartum, which was like super informative and awesome. And actually like I had hip pain for like 10 years um, after I stopped doing gymnastics and it would like come and go, but it was like pretty severe. Um, and after seeing the public floor physical therapist and like, like seeing that I had a tight, intense public floor and working on some releases and things like that, my hip pain with some strengthening of my hip and glutes too went away, which was like the first time in 10 years, which was absolutely mind boggling to me. Um, 
that like pelvic floor tension <laughs> could lead to hip pain. Um, and then, yeah, with the th this third one, I was just, I didn't want to be scared to move like too early. I think sometimes, well, most of the time we hear six weeks, you can't do anything. So you're six weeks postpartum. And I definitely was like, I'm not going to walk because that's really hard on your pelvic floor. <laughs> but you know what I did? I walked because sometimes you just need fresh air and you just need to walk. And a lot of, I noticed too, when I talked with the pelvic floor PT about this is that um, I was very, um, my, it was just hard to sit and breathe. You know what I mean? Like it's not easy to sit and focus on your breath and relaxing your pelvic floor and core. Um, I'm always curious when I hear you guys talk about this stuff, because, um, I used to think since I had a cesarean that I didn't need to be concerned about all of that. Um, but I've since learned that wasn't true, but luckily for me, I joined Shira's program a few years or Shira was our business coach, also a fitness person. I joined her program. And she had programmed in exercises that helped restore mine. So I just lucked out that I found somebody who knew about it because otherwise I'm sure I would have experienced issues. And luckily I did not, but I, I never heard a word about any of this throughout my entire pregnancy when I delivered at the hospital until I met you guys. And then it's like, oh yeah, pelvic floor. I know all about that. Well, and we briefly mentioned this um, with uh, our interview with Dr. Madeline, who is a DPT and Pilates instructor. And she didn't, she's not a, a pelvic floor physical therapist. So that was one of our other episodes in the series. Dallas and I talked about this a little bit, so I won't go too much into that. Um, but with the, I have no idea where I was going with that. Lost it. But I had a point I wanted to make, not related to that, but I was trying to segue and now I don't remember what it was. I have a point to make. I don't know if it's the same point that you're going for, but I can try. Okay, go ahead. And then um, I'll see if it comes back. What I wanted to bring up is that you kept saying that you had too much tension in your pelvic floor. Um, and I think that's something that gets missed a lot because a lot of times we think, oh, I had a baby. My pelvic floor is probably shot. Like I'm probably super weak. So I'm going to just Kegel, Kegel. That's hard to say fast, um, but I'm just going to do a ton of Kegels. Um, and that's not always the solution. And in, in some cases that actually can cause more issues because it's not always a, it's not always an issue of being weak. It's an issue of coordinating the muscles appropriately. And this is something that I'm sure when we talk with our pelvic floor therapist we'll get into a little bit more as well but muscles aren't meant to be contracted 24 7 especially pelvic floor muscles especially if you want them to hold up with increased stress so like if you think that you're walking around flexing your biceps all the time and then something happens and you have to gain more strength to be able to maintain that position it's just not going to happen so the same thing happens with the pelvic floor if you are walking around with so much hold on sorry if you're walking around with so much tension in your pelvic floor 24 seven, and then you go and decide to do a jump, like a box jump or a jump rope or use a trampoline or sneeze, you know, even just something that's not exercise related and you're already contracted and then you need to call on more to support the increased pressure. You just don't have any more to call on. And so you have to figure out how to coordinate that contraction and that relaxation and be able to kind of ease some of that tension. And I think 
that is something that is missed, especially when people like my doctor, when I had my third, she was like, just go ahead and do some Kegels. And I'm like, nope. And I told her that I was like, I, I know that that's not actually the best way to go. She's like, oh, really? Like I had a conversation with my midwife because she just didn't know. And we kind of had a really good discussion about it because it's not all about strength. It's about coordination as well. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And you can be tight and weak. Like that's you, that's my issue early in postpartum is that I, my pelvic floor gets tight, like just like your neck head and, you know, or shoulders can get tight like knots, but at the same time, it, it is weak because I had a baby and it was stretched and it was, you know, giving birth is traumatic, you know, <laughs> even if it was the way you wanted it to be. Um, so my problem usually in early postpartum is that I'm tight and weak. So it's, in early postpartum this time, especially, it was hard for me to just sit and work on my breath because I had three children <laughs> and like, it was hard to find time, um, to lay down and do that type of work. Um, but it was also important for me to slow down, to be able to coordinate it. Like Kelsey was saying, because that's really what I needed is learning, relearning how to coordinate everything back. Um, so that I wasn't making the tension in my pelvic floor worse, that I was helping it get stronger and coordinated. Um, while you were talking, I remembered what I was going to say and then I forgot again. But what I was now going to say <laughs> with my first, uh, you mentioned like having help. So my husband was home for like two weeks after we got home from the hospital. And then he was able to telework, you know, times pre-COVID when that wasn't as common, two days a week. So I was only home alone with baby three days a week. Then he had picked up a new position like a few months before uh, my son was born. And because of the way he could only turn over one week of leave in January and my due date was February 1st. So he only had one week of leave and two of those days were in the hospital. So basically, I don't remember what day of the week he was born on. Let's say like I had him on Monday night, we got home from the hospital, actually had him on Monday. Him in the hospital Wednesday, he was off Thursday, Friday, and then come like that following Monday, it had not even been a full seven days because he was born in the evening. There I was by myself mm. with a 21 month old of my baby. And I think this is where I was talking about. We mentioned this a little bit before in the other episode, but like I didn't have anyone to call for help at the time. Like my mom spent all of her time off there because I needed her there to help like with the older baby and the delivery and stuff like then, and this is like, she didn't have time off. And like, there was like no one else to call for help. And I felt like something else I wanted to go back, back, back on way at the beginning, when you said you're preparing and you knew it was going to be hard. And I remember asking a friend and she was like, yeah, it's hard. And it's going to be hard. And you're going to think it's hard. And it's going to be harder than you think before I had, I was like newly pregnant when she told me this. So I knew it was going to be hard and I was planning for it to be hard. And it was even harder for, this is for me, for my second, even harder than I thought, but I did not give myself a window of being able to do nothing. And, you know, for me, I was also on maternity leave where I'm sitting in a corner. I can see right here, this ginormous box of picture frames that I went and bought like two weeks before I had my second baby thinking like, oh, I'm going to redo all of the pictures in our house on my 12 week maternity leave from work. And so maybe, I don't know, like, as like that working mom mindset of like, I need to make the most, these are like 
not that it, I would never, ever call it vacation because it's clearly not, but I have 12 weeks. I'm not working. Maybe I'll be able to get some things done. And like five plus years later, those frames are legit still sitting in the same box they came home in. And I'm talking like, it was like home, home goods, maybe I think I went to home goods. So not like super expensive per frame, but like $300 worth of frames. Like I bought a lot of frames. This box is taking up a ton of space and they're just sitting there. I mean, I guess I should just like donate them, sell them. They're never going to get at this point. Like, I don't even want to, I don't want to go into that box. It's five years old. It's not been touched. <laughs> I don't know if there's like, I felt like as a working mom, I like needed to do stuff. Yeah. And I, I, the thought of giving myself two weeks or setting it up to have two weeks of doing nothing didn't work with my husband's schedule. He like, couldn't take more time. And that's a whole other episode of the fact that he had zero paternity leave and they wouldn't allow him to roll over extra. He had to burn leave in December, but he couldn't carry it over for February. No, we're going to take, I was so angry. I'm like, that. this is, this is ridiculous that this is our system. And this is a, I shouldn't say too much. He actually still works there, but Uh, like, I was like, what about women in your company? And they have a baby. He's like, they don't have leave. And I'm like, this is absurd. Anyway. Yeah. When I, taught, when I was working in Kansas, my first, um, he was supposed to be like early January and he came Jan- uh, December 15th. So um, it was like right before Christmas break, but I had to, so I had to drive. We lived an hour away from where I lived. So I had to drive there like when they, the, the first work day because I needed to grade my finals I needed to give sub plans so in those two weeks two-ish weeks from when I had Chase to when I went back to Leighton to like give my sub plans I hadn't made my sub plans because I was like oh I'll do it over Christmas break it'll be easy because what else am I going to be doing so over so I made my sub plans I was taking care of myself my son had to go back into the hospital because he was jaundiced so we all went back into the hospital and I had, then I had to drive to Leeton, I had to drive there to give them my sub plans and grade my finals. And then I was like, went to the HR lady. So I'm like, how much, when do I have to return? Cause I was like a brand new teacher. So I knew I didn't have 12 weeks. She's like, yeah, so you got two weeks in December and then you're four weeks. So you will see you at the beginning of February. And I was like, but that was Christmas break. And she was like, yeah, you got paid. How awesome is that? I'm like, what? No, I would have had off uh, even if I didn't have a baby. And she's like, that's how it is. I'm just like, I like literally was trying so hard not to cry because I was like, you gotta be kidding me. I had a similar situation with my first. Now, this was my decision in hindsight. I should have just let it go, but type A. But so I went in on, let's say Thursday for my 40 week appointment and like literally like, oh, there's nothing moving in here. Like come back in a week. And then we're going to talk about inducing you. And my final was on Saturday. And so there I was the day before my due date, I gave my final, everything was fine. And I wasn't expected to go back to have anything done again until Wednesday or Thursday. And literally the doctor was like, you're not having a baby anytime soon. Um, so I gave my final in the morning. I started grading a little bit, but I was like, oh, well, the baby's not coming for a few days. I'll grade tomorrow. Well, sure enough, I woke up the next day and like labor started, like, but someday we'll do birth stories. Um, but my, those 38 and a half hours later, I had said baby 
And so now it's Monday evening. I've had a baby. I come home from the hospital sometime on Wednesday and my grades are due on Thursday. So there I am like emailing my boss, like, Hey, um, since I just got home from the hospital, I hope it's okay that I'm not going to have my grades until Friday. Now they did offer like, do you want someone to grade your finals? I'm like, no, 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 I'll do it. But there I was on Thursday with a four, well, not even four, three day old baby. You know, one of those like wire bouncer thingies, like bouncing here on this table as I'm grading, like bounce, bounce, bounce. It took all day to grade these finals. Cause you know, like nursing, baby, new mom, bathroom, all those things. I'm like, it's like, like day three of being a mom I'm grading papers. So like the things we, I did, I'm like, so regretful that I let, I didn't know any different. Right. And I, and I think like this past, when I was really thinking about my postpartum last year, I was really you know, on my social media. I was just really trying to tell people, you know, even if you're a first time mom, doesn't mean you can't, you can't plan for postpartum. Like this is what's going to happen. You need to like be in and around your bed for two weeks. So what does that look like? Who do you need help from? Who's going to cook? Who's going to do the laundry? Who's going to take care of your big kids? I actually, I forgot about this freebie too. I have a postpartum plan freebie on my website, which just asks you like every question that you need to think about when you're, when you're planning your postpartum, because I think there's such an emphasis on planning your birth or what your ideal birth would be, but then you kind of forget about postpartum. You forget what happens, you know, and you maybe you made some meals and that's great, but like, what about when those meals run out? Like, <laughs> you know, so um, I really talked about it because you, you don't know, especially when it's your first, you have no idea what to expect. Um, and then as you, you know, and I feel like with the second and thirds, a lot of moms, they're like, oh yeah, I know what to expect. But then they get that guilt of, oh, I can't play with my kid. I should be doing playing with them or be with them. And it's like, no, two weeks is nothing in their lives. <laughs> They're not going to remember it. It's okay. Like you just need to sit. And I had that conversation with someone just recently because she had a very quick birth, like in the car, like didn't make it to the hospital. And she was having some like heavy, like pelvic floor symptoms and I was like, well, tell me, tell me a little bit more. And she's like, I'm like, I know your house. And I know you have a lot of stairs. Like, are you going up and down the stairs all day? She's like, yeah. I'm like, okay, let's not do that. I'm like, well, what? Like, and she's like, and I had a sinus infection. So I'm like, okay, so you're sneezing and coughing a lot, which is also really hard on your pelvic floor. And I'm like, and how long did you stay in bed? She's like, I didn't. I'm like, <laughs> get in bed like, <laughs> and then she told me some other stuff I was like cringy I'm like oh she's like I wasn't gonna tell you that and I'm like oh my gosh like if you don't take time to rest if you are constantly on your feet after postpartum you are gonna get pelvic floor symptoms you are gonna feel heaviness in your pelvic floor you're gonna have to go to the bathroom a lot you're gonna have uh, urinary incontinence, you're going to have your urinary urgency, you're going to have all these symptoms and you're going to be like, but my birth was fine. Like she was like, it, you know, there was some other stuff too, but it's just like, you know, she was fine. Essentially baby was healthy. She was fine, but like, it was a quick birth. So those muscles were like, <laughs> it was like less than two hours. It was insane. So it's like, and then she just jumps back into motherhood, jumps back into doing all the things and not ask, you know, she could have a little bit of help, but like she needed to ask more. And, um, because 
yeah, you don't want to end up with a prolapse at 35, 36, because you didn't take time to rest for two weeks. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, just listening to that, I wonder, like I didn't, I most certainly did not have a plan to rest for two weeks, but um, having had a cesarean, I was forced into it because um, I guess I've heard stories of people that bounce back, but I most certainly did not. And as much as I wanted to move around and do stuff, I was very limited because when you talked about sneezing and coughing, that brought it back because, oh my Lord, that hurt so bad. And I spent a lot of time with a pillow stuffed into my abdomen so that if I did have to cough or sneeze, I could push it on there and it wouldn't hurt so bad. And then um, like walking and stuff was a challenge also. And so I think that I unintentionally rested for a couple of weeks and that probably helped me a lot because otherwise I'm sure I would not have. Yeah. Yeah. Friend had a C-section and she had very close, like 21 months apart and she couldn't lift her baby, her first baby, <laughs> now toddler into her crib. She was still in a crib. So I like brought over a step stool for her so that the toddler could climb up the step stool and swing herself around because she didn't hurt. Her husband was an, um, an ER nurse. So he's working shifts and like, and sometimes at bedtime and, you know, she didn't have, so finding little things that you can do in uh, C-sections are so tough too, because you don't ever plan, unless it's your like six, like your second or third C-section, you don't plan to have a C-section, you know, that's not the plan. And it almost feels like inevitable if you do plan for it, like, oh, well, if I'm planning for it, then I'm going to have one. You know what I mean? So you don't want to like get in your, that headspace that like, oh, I'm planning for a C-section. So I'm going to have one. Well, no, but maybe we like should kind of think about it. You sh you're not going to be able to lift baby or like your second baby <laughs> or your first baby. I mean, like what are some things that you, you can do or can call on? So it's hard. It's tricky. In my so, case, you weren't, I wasn't going to be able to walk the dog who was a lunatic I, and had to be walked yeah. to not be dangerous to me. <laughs> yeah. And walking a dog is not something a C-section mom should be doing early on. No. <laughs> that is not like that pulling is really tough on your core, actually. Like if your dog is not least trained, not that I, you know, maybe it was. Yeah, I was, my dog I didn't even attempt it. Like I was lucky to walk myself around. I don't know. Yeah. That was a weird thing to me too, that nobody, people say like, oh, C-sections hurt and it takes long to recover, but they don't, I had never had abdominal surgery. I had no idea that I was going to try to move and be in absolute agony from it. Um, it's just not something that is talked about a lot. Yeah. And, and it's odd. I've talked to some women who've had not like C-sections, but also abdominal surgeries. So like intestinal surgeries or things like that. And, and uh, abdominal surgeries don't get referred to physical therapy, which blows my mind. Like obviously C-section moms don't, they don't, you know, but like this was an abdominal intestinal, like removing intestines, cutting through all of those layers. But yeah, you're fine. Go ahead. If we could have a list of things that don't get referred to physical therapy, <laughs> that we, could, we could have a whole hour discussion on all because it, it's crazy. Even the fact, even the fact that like general pregnancy, labor, delivery, postpartum doesn't get referred is a little bit ridiculous. Um, even if it's just to go 
and have this conversation. Like that's this what I conversation alone. And I've had this conversation with nearly all of my friends, all of my clients. It's like, we, you just need somebody to tell you like, because you've got the world of social media. That's like, have a baby, be back to normal, like two days later. And that's, that is so not realistic for 99% of the population. The people who do that are the people who have literally a team of humans running their whole life. And to be honest, the people who are still doing that, even with the team probably feel like absolute crap. Um, and so to have this, like, this under this conversation of like you know what you do need to rest for two weeks and if your bleeding increases you need to chill out and if you're coughing and sneezing because you're sick no wonder you're like feeling like everything's falling out your you know between your legs all of these things it's just like it's it's a simple conversation and it's almost like us as women need somebody to give us permission to lay in bed for two weeks and say you know what even if nobody does anything in your house for two weeks it's going to be fine. Like as long as you have chicken nuggets in the freezer to feed your kids and you got food and water, like, you know what I mean? Like, it doesn't have to be fancy. It doesn't have to be Instagram worthy, but like, you do need to do this because if you can't, if you don't do this, it's just going to take so much longer. And what you put into those first, I think personally, I think that first six to eight to maybe even 12 weeks postpartum, what you do there really sets you up for the remainder of your first year postpartum. And if you decide to just blow through and you get that six week green light and you're just like, like you and I were the first time around, right? Like you're good to go and you just jump back into it. You are backtracking for another, you know, six months to a year to a year and a half to get back to where you feel somewhat quote unquote normal. Whereas and this, this was my experience and you can correct me if you're, if I'm wrong, but my first year took me way longer to get back to feeling normal than my third. Um, and I don't think it was because I was going into it in any better shape. I think it was that I was smarter about my recovery coming out of it. And I really did take that first six to eight to 12 weeks very seriously. And I, I did my recovery exercises. I did the breathing stuff. I made sure that I was able to contract and relax my pelvic floor. I made sure that my core was activating appropriately. I stayed off of my feet in the early stages. I didn't start baby wearing until I was a little bit further along. Like that's something a lot of people don't think about either. Um, Any of those things that could have set me back, I just kind of pushed them away just a little bit. And when I tested them out, we kind of evaluated and then chose to go forward at a step back. And I think the conversation that we're having here that alone of like, you know what, it doesn't have to be fast. You don't have to go out of the gate fast and furious. And it is hard. And I like that you mentioned your friend that couldn't pick up the toddler found a way around it. Like there is a way around it. And sometimes you just need to talk to somebody who has either done it or has helped somebody problem solve that and say, you know what, I do understand you have a two-year-old that you need to get in the crib and you can't lift them right now. What are some things that we can do to help you help them so that you're not going to set yourself back? Yeah. Because saying you just can't, isn't always an option. Like that's not helpful information either. It's like, well, just, you can't. Well, no, I do. I do need to do it. So how do I do it well? Um, Or how do I do it to save myself or, you know, to keep it? Because sometimes things just need to happen, Mm -hmm. right? Like, so it's prioritizing, like, I got to get my kid in the the crib. How are we going to figure that out? But do I need to eat vegetables, serve my kid vegetables today? That's probably fine. Chicken nuggets. (laughs) You know, those, I, that, that absolute of like telling somebody, and I see this a lot in like 
injury recovery and like, and even like with postpartum, um, prolapse type fitness with clients with prolapse, all that kind of stuff. You do a lot of times you'll get from a doctor, like you can't do this or don't do this period. And it's like, you know what? That sentence is not a complete sentence because I'm a mom. I have other kids to deal with, or like you were saying, you, you shouldn't have gone for the run, but it felt really good to get out and go for a run. So you can tell moms, you know what? You shouldn't work out for six weeks, but some of us, when you have three kids, you got to do something to maintain your sanity. And if working out is your thing, then maybe we can find you a way to work out. That's going to be more appropriate for the stage that you're in. So you can still get that like mental health benefit of working out. Cause that's a big thing for me. And I think that's kind of a common theme with this, us on this podcast. Um, but like going for a run at two weeks postpartum is not really the best course of action, but maybe going on a leisurely walk around your kitchen twice and then laying down on your ground and practicing some breathing or yoga or, you know, some of those things that kind of help you get a little bit more in tune can give you the same sort of benefit of doing a workout, but aren't going to set you back on your postpartum recovery. Yeah. Absolutely. Use that as a segue. Um, if we were to ask you, Tanya, what are your top three recommendations for that first year postpartum period? I think we know rest two week minimum is right there. If the you can, period. and if you, if you don't have the support, hire a postpartum doula, Good. you know, and, and I wish I you knew don't, you don't have this. that money. You put it on your baby registry. I wish I had known that those were even a thing. Cause that's something I totally needed for me, especially with my second, like, yeah, had I known that was a thing, then I would have been like, sign me up. I'll spend all the money because right. in, in Post- hindsight, I totally needed it. Our postpartum doula yeah. will do your laundry. They'll do your dishes. They will cook meals for you. They will take care of your big kids. Wait, they can will you do- get one when you're five years postpartum? How do you I get one? I think that would be like a maid or like a, a cook. They'll do overnights for you. Like you can hire one to come over for the overnight and do feedings and they'll stay up all night and do your laundry and do your dishes. Um, and they're not cheap. It makes me want to have another kid. Just kidding. I don't. And they're not cheap. But if you express to the people in your life that this is something that's really important and this is something that you really need to find, um, to bond with your baby, especially if you, you know, your husband's not going to be around, which is a very common thing, especially if you know, you have a big kid and you're, it's going to be hard. Definitely calling on those people, especially if you don't live near family, saying to those family that live far away, you know, what you could give me is a hundred bucks each to buy this postpartum doula so that they can help me since they can support me since you can't, like, I know you want to be here, but you can't for whatever reason, help me have that support, which is hard to like explain to someone what a doula, a postpartum doula is, but if a little bit of education can go a long way, um, because they are, they're like beautiful people that are like fairies. Um, so I would say go rest, get your postpartum doula if you can. Talk to your spouse about what your expectations are and what you expect of them um, and tell them like a lot, like a lot. So what about the again. next 50 weeks? Those <laughs> yeah. um, first, first two weeks, I feel like especially today, a lot of women would try to make that happen. You know, if you think, for whatever reason, whether it be, you know, postpartum doula, family coming in, if they hear this, like, okay, let me make this happen. 
but then like all that goes away and now you're on week three and and then it's back to just you so how do you get through that next year like what are some recommendations you might have in terms of survival and then maybe transitioning to movement uh well movement so definitely go see a post uh go see public floor pt i always tell my clients i would love if they went to a pelvic floor PT first so that they know what's going on in their pelvic floor. How are they healing if they had a tear? Do they have an overactive pelvic floor, a tense pelvic floor? Do they have a weak pelvic floor? Knowing that they're just a wealth of information and that you can relay back to me and I can help you then build a plan to return to fitness. Um, honestly, week two to three is probably going to be like hard and scary. Just don't go anywhere. Like if you, if you get like no support at week three, like if you, two weeks, you have beautiful two weeks and then you like, don't, you know, get any, you're done. Then you just, you stay home or you do really easy things that you know, you're confident in. Like maybe you can walk down to the park. Like that's what I did. I remember we have a park just down the street. Um, and after my second, that was like our first <laughs> big outing and it was hard, <laughs> It's literally like, like a five minute walk. And I remember we, I like had to feed Sawyer before we left and he pooped and I get him in the car seat, get him in the stroller. I brought a chair because there's no chairs down there. And I didn't want to sit on the floor in the grass. And we get down there and my son plays for three minutes, my oldest. And, um, he, he's like, I, I want to go home. Of course. <laughs> okay. And we just packed back up and that was our, that was our day. And I think I had the same experience too. Like we wanted, he wanted to play outside in the pool. So I got like everything out. And then like he poured water on Sawyer. Like he thought Sawyer wanted to swim. He was a baby. Sawyer didn't want to swim. So Sawyer's all, I mean, so just keeping your expectations low, kind of like what we talked about, the minimal is best until you start to feel better that you start to get more hours of sleep. Um, and then you can just start slowly adding things. Don't be a superhero. Like you don't get all the frozen meals, do all the pickups or drop-offs for groceries. Like you don't need to be super mom for six, eight weeks postpartum. Slowly build, slowly build on the things that you feel comfortable with. Nothing wrong with that. With the same thing with postpartum fitness, slowly build, work on that coordination, work on simple movements, slowly build onto things. I, for me, this, this time I did Julie's strong. Um, She's the fourth trimester one. Yes. Her fourth trimester. Thank you. I'm like seeing her, 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 uh, Instagram handle, but she is fourth trimester. So I know this stuff and I still use someone else's program because I knew my brain wasn't going to be able to like, remember what I should do. Um, and it was a six week program and it took me 12 weeks because I didn't do it every day. I didn't do it. You know, I did like twice, three times a week, maybe if I was lucky and that's okay. Like I didn't, it's not, it's meant to be used the way you need to use it. And that's how I needed to use it then. Um, I think the important thing with that is that postpartum timelines aren't the same for everybody. And so, especially like first versus third kid, like if you would have had that program after your first kid, you probably would have got it done in six weeks because you only had one kid. But after your third, you've got three people plus, Mm -hmm. you know, one in school or one in kindergarten, one in preschool, and then a baby trying to nap and a husband trying to work. Like 
life is different from one to three and that doesn't make one any better than the than the other and knowing that your postpartum timeline with the first one may not be the same one with the second one and may not be the same with the third and that's okay because they're different pregnancies it's a different postpartum experience and it's going to be what you need it to be each time and you kind of have to gauge that as you go through it I think yeah absolutely absolutely yeah just taking your time if you're a runner listen I love to run I think I didn't trying to remember I went to a trail running one-on-one class just because I wanted to get out of the house and I wanted a $20 gift card to the running store. And I was like, perfect. I'll get some new running shoes. And he's like, Oh, do you want to try them out on the treadmill? I was like, Nope, not running it. That's awesome. (laughs) I probably could have ran. Like I was being, but that's how like protective I was of my postpartum. I'm like, Nope, I'm not running it. I'm not strong enough. I think that's great. I I think those are, are great tips for any postpartum period, whether it's your first, third, if you're brave enough to go for more, however many more that is. Um, uh, so Tanya, we have a couple of questions we always ask all of our guests. Do it. They're kind of random. Well, they're not random because we ask all of them, but um, are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. What is the first thing you do when you wake up in the morning? Um... I have a thyroid problem, so I take my thyroid pill. Oh, you still have your thyroid from your, when you were pregnant? Um, no, it happened after my second. I oh, it just got, oh, right. But it got worse when you are pregnant. pregnant it got more, I needed my medicine adjusted because okay. it was more taxing on my thyroid. So it needed to be adjusted. Yeah. So I take my thyroid medicine <laughs> so I can eat an hour later. <laughs> and then I drink a whole 32 ounces of water. Well, the next question is, what is your favorite beverage? Um, I do drink a lot of water, um, but outside of water, I really like tea. I like coffee and tea. Do you have a favorite? I really like mint tea. Mint tea. Okay. Mm-hmm, like peppermint. Yeah. And then the last question is, what is your favorite thing to do to de-stress? Um, be outside or move out, move outside. Like ideally move outside, go for a walk, go for a bike ride, go for a run, depending on the weather. Or even in bad weather, you sometimes still go for a bike ride. I mean, I still, (laughs) do you know what? I didn't win either. They have like prizes and I didn't win. So I rode my bike every day in April and in Minnesota, it was terrible April. It was like windy every single day. And it doesn't, you don't win if you do like the most miles or whatever, you, they just pick random people. And I didn't win. And it was part of your, I'm sorry, you didn't win. It's okay. I, you know, I've won other things. I actually just a memory came up in my page when I lived in Alabama, they used to do the, the running store used to do a group run um, at Buffalo Wild Wings and Nike was there that day and you could try their shoes. And I won a pair of shoes. There you go. On a pair of Nikes. So I do win things. So it was okay. But and everyone who completed the 30 days of biking deserved a prize because it was awful. It was terrible. Did it have to be outside? Oh yeah. Trainers did not count. It's to get you back in the, the groove. Because now look, we're in May and it's gorgeous. We just skipped spring. We're in summer now. We haven't actually quite got to anything like spring yet. Um, we didn't have spring. We had second or third, fourth winter. I don't know. 
Um, where could our listeners get more of you? Um, I'm on Instagram the most. And so I'm just Tanya dot Schwamberger. And, and we'll then my there's a link in the show notes. Perfect. Thank you. And then my website, Tanya Schwamberger.com. Okay. And a couple of freebies you mentioned your postpartum checklist. Is that what you call it? I have a postpartum plan document. A bunch of different questions um, to consider when you're you're thinking about postpartum. Um, and I have a diocese recti um, free PDF as well on my website. All of those are under my website under resource. Um, and that's just great, kind of talks about how to coordinate that core pelvic floor and your breath, and then how to check for a, a diastrecti. <laughs> my brain just stopped working. Um, and you know, just kind of moving away from those, oh, you can't twist, oh, you can't do this. Um, so it's a very non-fear-based way of understanding diastasis recti, which I think is important because so many things out there are like, you can't do this. So, yeah, I love the way we can actually modify things so you can do them just in a way that works for you now versus just don't ever do this. So it's like, how am I ever going to do it if I can't ever do it? Right. Stuck in this like, out of the do loop. You can't get in the do loop. <laughs> so uh, we will make sure there are links for all of those things in the show notes for you, Instagram, website, and then your two resources. Um, so this has been lovely. Any last words? No, oh, thank you so much for having me. This was great to talk about. Um, I want, I would love to have more people talk about postpartum and how it was, you know, we don't usually talk about postpartum. We always talk about birth. So it's good to hear people's stories. I agree. And we, we often do the birth story. And I also feel like, especially like in my cases, I've described like, like you come home and like, now you're here, now you have a baby and baby and a toddler and no one talks about that. So thank you for bringing to light some things that you can slash should do uh, when bringing home baby, whether it's your first, second, third, or so on. Um, because that healing part, I think is super important. And I definitely wish I had had a little bit more of that, especially with my second. Sure. All right. Well, thank you so much, Tanya. It's been good having you on. Thank you. The Unstressed Mama podcast is brought to you by Allison Rodden, Kelsey Decker, and Melissa Sarovi. You can find us on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash unstressed mama and on Instagram at unstressed mama. If you like what you heard, be sure to tell your friends so other mamas can join in the fun. You can find our individual contact information in the show notes for this episode. If you have questions about this topic or suggestions for future topics, the best place to reach us is through our Facebook, Instagram page, or email at unstressedmama at gmail.com. Thank you.